We've been looking at Colossians. We've been looking at Paul's letter to the Colossian church, which is really written to encourage, coach, and teach them in what, what we would call the way of Jesus, which is we need to always understand there is a way that Jesus says to live, and there's a way that comes natural for us to live. In other places, Paul will say the way that seems right to a man, to a woman, to a person, ends in destruction. I would love to challenge all of us to just consider this simple principle. There's a native DNA in me that's telling me how to live, and I need to learn how to lay that down in favor of the way the Lord says to live. How many have ever noticed your natural reaction pattern doesn't look like Jesus? And so Paul's teaching this young church what it looks like to live in the way of Jesus, and He's going to combat some strange beliefs about God, which really is our job. The reason why my passion for us to get face-to-face with God, to get to know God, is because the world needs people that can actually speak on God's behalf with real knowledge. When we encounter something strange, we encounter one of those mystical, odd beliefs, we're like, that is so not who he is. We need to be able to express and give them data that comes out of relationship. It comes out of an encounter. So Paul's te- he's combating some of this. And he's, he, all the way through this book, what he's going to do every time he encounters something strange is he's going to point them back to Jesus. He's going to point them away from the idea of God and point them to the man, Jesus. And it's an incredibly important principle for us. He's going to deal with them in a way that really coaches them on what it looks like to reveal Jesus to the city they live in. This is why I love this book, because it's a, what a challenge for us right now. What does it look like for us, the people of God, to continually be concerned with how we're revealing our king to the city? So ultimately, what Paul's gonna challenge them with is, is the, the need to develop this face-to-face encounter with Jesus so they can allow his nature to overtake them. How many have been really challenged by this phrase, divine nature, lately? Okay, it's just me. Good. We'll just keep preaching it until you all get it. (laughs) The divine nature, having the character of Jesus so cover me that the world no longer sees me. What they see is him. So I want to take take us through chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, and then we're just going to drop in on a couple words. This letter is from Paul, chosen by God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. It is written to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. By the way, I'm super sorry, I'm very rude. If you want the notes, they are available. Just go to the Vintage Guest Wireless Network. Password's vintage, all lowercase, and you can grab the teaching notes. I forgot to say that, because I'm going to read a bunch of scripture. Let's dive back in. We always pray for you. And we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard that you trust in Christ Jesus and that you love all of God's people. You do this because you're looking forward to the joys of heaven as you have been ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is changing lives everywhere just as it changed yours. That very first day you heard and understood the truth about God's great kindness to sinners. Epaphras, our much-loved co-worker, was one, the one who brought you the good news, and he is Christ's faithful servant, and he's helping us in your place. He's the one who told us about the great love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have continued praying for you ever since we first heard about you. We ask God to 
give you a complete understanding of what he wants to do in your lives, and we ask him to make you wise with spiritual wisdom. Then, the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and you will continually do good, kind things for others. All the while, you will learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you'll be strengthened with his glorious power so that you will have all the patience and endurance you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father who has enabled you to share the inheritance that belongs to all God's holy people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the one who rules the kingdom of darkness, and he has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. Yeah, come on. God has purchased our freedom with his blood and forgiven our sins. So Pastor Gary taught on verses 9 through 14 last week, and and he taught on these incredibly iconic statements that Paul makes. There was a phrase that captured me, and it's kind of been sitting in my heart, and and I, I was supposed to pick up in verse 15 and keep going, but I can't do that yet. It's this phrase where Paul says, may you be filled with joy. Because most of us would say, I want that, right? How many would say, I think being filled with joy is good? I know I'm supposed to live that way. But I think there's others who would say, I just don't really know what that looks like because life is really tough. I think most people would agree with us that joy is a necessary thing. But I also think most people are confused with what joy is. And they definitely fail to understand how to walk in joy. So Paul hides this incredible revelation in verse 11. We also pray that you will be strengthened with his glorious power so that you will have all the patience and endurance you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father who has enabled you to share the inheritance that belongs to all God's holy people who live in the light. So when I first approached this, what jumped out at me is may you be filled with joy. And so for me, the idea when I'm reading it that was the things that were kind of coming to mind was the idea that spiritual joy was something that God would give us and it was motivated by worship and thankfulness. And if we read the passage in English, that's how we read it. You're like, well, what other language are we supposed to read it in? May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs. So and if we read it in the English, Being filled with joy is connected to the choice to thank the Father. And it seems to be motivated by an an eternal perspective. But I want to caution us in something. My goal is never to put doubt into the scriptures. That's not it. It's to say that there are times that we as followers of Christ are disciples of Christ, which means we're learners under discipline, we're studying him, we're getting to know him, we're pursuing him, and it, I would say it this way, the onus is on us to become great students of scripture. And a lot of times we wanna push that off on somebody else, and so I would just be honest, stop it. Take it on yourself, look in the mirror. If you have to get up every day and say you are going to follow Jesus, you're gonna study the scriptures, you're gonna let them shape your life. Do what you gotta do to motivate yourself to the scriptures. But if we look at it in English and try to extrapolate meaning, there are times where we'll end up on the wrong track and the wrong track creates bad theology and theology shapes your worldview so we end up making mistakes. The passage is an incredible example of that very principle. If we look at it in the New American Standard Version or in the interlinear Greek, it says it this way. 
strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks. In the original language, Paul connects a string of ideas that we have to understand. Beginning with this word phrase, strengthened with all, which means to be infilled or poured into with all miraculous power. So this is how Paul begins it. He says, I want you to be infilled or poured into with all miraculous power. So it's heaven's supernatural power being poured into us. Where do we get that? This is not a hard question. Right, it comes from the Spirit of God. So we're receiving something. Now, if I'm gonna receive something from the Spirit of God, it seems logical that that's gonna happen during an exchange. So the goal is, as we sit with the Lord, we build an encounter, we build a day-to-day exchange, what's happening is he's pouring into us his supernatural power. It doesn't just happen because we name ourselves believers. Paul will say this about the filling of the Holy Spirit. His challenge to the church throughout the New Testament is, I want you to continue to be being filled. The idea is a regular interface where we're, so how, how many people have ever filled your car with gas and never gone back? It doesn't work. So consider this, that the idea in the kingdom is that we're continually being filled by the Holy Spirit in a daily encounter. And Paul says, this is for the attaining of steadfastness and patience. So I want us to notice that the active focus of the power is that we attain or grab onto or possess the ability to stick with it and be patient during life. And I was quiet out there. And then Paul adds this phrase, and all the while, this is, in the, this is the way it reads in the Greek, joyously giving thanks. So his prayer seems to be revealing that we are filled with supernatural strengths of steadfastness and patience by partnering with God through joyously giving thanks. So there's a, there's a relational encounter that's happening. We're joyously giving thanks, and while that's happening, he's pouring into us what we need. I want to focus on that idea for a second. In the original language, this phrase, joyously, is in what we would call an active or adverbial form. It's something being performed. It's not a noun form where the substance is joy. It's in an active form where I'm joyously doing something. We understand the difference. So Paul is praying that they be filled with the staying power to endure life and live the way Jesus, live in the way of Jesus, and he's revealing to them basically how to do that. Joyously giving, giving thanks is made up of, the, these two phrases mean, the word joyously is the Greek word kara, which means to cheerfully rejoice or take pleasure in something. The phrase giving thanks is eucharisto, which is where we get the eucharist from, which is what has become known as communion or bread and cup. It means to celebrate gratitude, to be thankful in expressing thankfulness. So let me state it plainly. What Paul reveals here is joy is a choice. Joy is not a substance I'm given, it's a choice I make. Giving thanks is a choice, it's a discipline. 
And when we step into these choices, what Paul teaches is there's a supernatural release of strength to us. Doesn't this seem so much like the Lord? If we study him through the scriptures, think about the Jordan River where he calls the people of God to cross to the other side. And he makes them step into the water before anything dries up. The Red Sea, similar thing. He makes them step in. Always through the scripture, the pattern is the Lord will lay obedience in front of his people and say, when you trust me enough to blindly obey, I will meet your need. But if you need me to lay it open before you so you can trust me, that's not how this works. Why doesn't it work the way? I don't know. He's God. But the pattern through the scriptures is whatever you and I are facing, we step into obedience and then he meets us. And Paul says here, some of you need strength. You need steadfastness. You need patience. I would say it this way. If you're struggling in the ability to stick with the move of God in your life, stick with the purpose of God in your life, stick with your marriage, stick with your job, whatever it is, if you're struggling with that stick to and you're feeling super impatient, you're feeling super riled up inside, like you just want to get out and run away, I would say you need to learn how to joyously give thanks. Because it's when you joyously give thanks that those strengths start to rise in you. And so often our answer would be, I need such and such to change so I don't have to react this way. I want us to grab onto the supernatural principle that we can transcend our circumstances by learning the kingdom. We don't have to have the world around us line up correctly. We can actually shift it and shape it by using principles in the kingdom. Joyously giving thanks is an incredibly important idea. Joy is the choice to delight, to find pleasure, or to be cheerful in your moment. To delight, to find pleasure, or to be cheerful in your moment. And giving thanks is the specific expression of gratefulness to God. It deals primarily with what comes out of us. My wife read this quote the other day in her, in her devotion time it's from Oswald Chambers, and I grabbed onto it because I thought, wow, this so matches perfectly with this thing. All degrees of joy reside inside the heart. How can a Christian be full of happiness if happiness depends on the things that happen? When he is in a world where the devil is doing the best to twist souls away from God, where people are tortured physically, where some are downtrodden, and do not even get a chance. It would be the outcome of the most miserable selfishness to be happy in those circumstances. But a joyful heart is never an insult, and joy is never touched by external conditions. The Bible talks plentifully about joy, but nowhere does it speak about happiness. Happiness depends on what happens. Joy does not. Jesus Christ had joy, and he prays, that they, his disciples, might have his joy fulfilled in them. Church, happiness and joy are two different things. And what we see in the world is everybody thinks happiness and joy are the same thing. You see, happiness requires my circumstances to be right. Joy requires my perspective to be right. And Jesus models that for us. Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. 
Now, I had somebody ask me, don't you think we're his joy? I'm like, maybe, but if Jesus had the Father lay out for him the extent of salvation and what it was gonna do for humanity so that he could walk into it, that's not fair, because when did he do that for us? Think about that for a second. When has he ever said, I need you to do this because here's what I'm gonna do? And you're like, okay, yeah, that's easy, piece of cake. My history with him, most of the histories I've listened to with him is the Lord will say, here's what I want from you, obedience-wise. You're gonna have to trust me that it's gonna work out. If you look at the Greek in Hebrews 12, the joy set before Jesus was obedience to the Father. Who for the joy set before him, he decided, and we hear him say this in other places in John, my desire, my joy, my delight is to do your will. It's the same word joy here in this verse that comes up in Paul's teaching. It's kara. The word set before him is to be placed in front of him. And I would just love to give us an idea that it was obedience to what the Father asked him that Jesus decided to find joy in. In other words, I'm going to find my delight and my pleasure in doing what you ask me to do. Yeah, but it's really hard. You see? Now you're leaning into happiness again. Happiness is about my circumstances. Joy is about my perspective. Could I submit to us that we can do everything the Father's put in front of us with joy, regardless of whether or not it's happy? We can be actually in situations that are, it's, say this with me, it is okay, okay. To, say I'm not happy. to say I'm not happy. But it's not okay to not be joyful. Because joy is a spiritual discipline. Happiness is a byproduct of a good situation. If our perspective is obedience to the king and we trust his leadership, then we choose joy and the expression of praise in every circumstance. There's a a song lyric. Uh, I think the Torwaltz sing it. And the, the lyric of the song is, I will praise before my breakthrough. It's this principle. In the midst of my difficulty, in the midst of my storm, I'm gonna set my eyes on him and say, look, I'm here because you put me here. I trust you, I'm gonna find joy in it, and I'm gonna declare your goodness even when right now it doesn't feel like it. And we start to transcend situations and we start to shape a city because we're so full of joy, it annoys them. How are you so full of joy? You're so happy. No, 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 I'm not happy at all, I'm joyful. It's very different. I'm joyful because I belong to the king and I trust the king and he's told me where I'm at. I sat with him this morning and he said, hey, keep on keeping on. I've got this. You can trust me. And so I heard his voice so I can step into the day even if it's absolutely miserable because I know he's put me there. The people that do this, church, are gonna shape a city. Let's stand.